Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts oh hi i'm rachel zoe and my podcast climbing in heels is back and better than ever you might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents family therapy and i'm your host elliot connie jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner david david he is a leader he just don't want to leave me but how do you lead a woman how do you lead in a relationship like what's the blueprint david you just asked the most important question listen to family therapy on the black effect podcast network iHeartRadio app apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast was these boys, they thought they were like really good cartoonists and stuff. And so I submitted and they rejected me and I cried and cried. I think the thing that I learned from this was that even if nobody likes my stuff, I'm going to do this. I'm going to keep drawing and I don't really care what you think. I don't care because I don't know what else to do with my life. I, I can't not do this. Beautiful. You know? Yeah. This is Hello, Isaac, my podcast about the idea of success and how failure affects it. I'm Isaac Mizrahi, and in this episode, I talk to famed New Yorker cartoonist Roz Chast. Hello, Isaac. This is Roz, Roz Chast. And I'm calling to say hi, and I'll talk to you soon. And it's very sweaty and hot here. I don't know about you, but since I'm a little boy, the New Yorker is like a fixture in the Mizrahi living room. And it is a worshipped, worshipped, worshipped institution. 
I think like a lot of us were taught to absolutely adore and worship that magazine. And since I am a young adult, I read it cover to cover almost every single week. And since then, I've been noticing that always my favorite cartoons are from Roz Chast. I would say that we met mm, about 15 years ago or something, or 20 years ago. She was on my show, and we did this crazy, crazy cartoon together about Brooklyn, the environs where we grew up. We grew up very, very close in proximity to each other. And since I met her, her work has taken on an even more kind of crucial and central space in my world. So in this episode, I'm going to try to plumb the depths of my friend Roz Chass. I'm going to try to get her to give up a little of what makes her so hilariously funny if there is one specific thing and what makes her do what she does. So I'm really excited about this. Let's get started. Ross Chast, hi. Hello. How are you? It's been a minute. You look great. Your hair looks really good. Did you just do something to it, like cut it I or just, color it or something? I had it done. Oh, this is my natural color. <laughs> no. <Nah. laughs> um, <laughs> no, I go to the place down the street and they just do something to it. And... It's a really good color, I have to say. I love it. Thanks. Are you are you even close to being a blonde in real life or is it just Oh yeah, I was when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I was a blonde. You can my eyebrows are basically invisible. Mm-hmm. My mother thought I was born without eyebrows cuz that was, you know, just but then you get older and things kind of go a different direction. Are you like, are you a stickler for these things? Like, are you like a stickler for hair color and for like type font? What's your favorite type font, darling? I think basically the basic one, the sans serif, whatever. You just go with... Yeah, just go with the basic one. I think because it's just, it just is easier to read or something. Mm -hmm. But I think probably when I read books, it might be Caslon or Ariel or something. Interesting. I would peg you as someone who was absolutely mad about these little tiny things. For writing, for drawing, right. I am. I see. I mean, I had okay. very specific, but somehow the email thing is just, I want it to be as sort of seamless as possible. Do you still draw on paper? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Mostly still on paper, mm-hmm. partly because I like it. Um, and I just like all my materials. I like my pens. I like mm-hmm. the inks. I like uh, the brushes. Um, But I also have an iPad and an Apple Pencil, and that works for some things. Um, So I I use both. Um, Do you keep a sketch pad by your bed or something? Like, do you have inspiration all the time? Or are you a good person at keeping things? And then how does it work? I, I keep paper. I keep paper with me all the time, paper and pencil. I have a little pad in my, in my purse. I keep, you know, for drawing and, um, or making notes if I have a cartoon idea or something like that. And I do have a pad by my bed because of the dreams, Ah. you know, and, uh, if something is really good, I want to write it down, but also, you know, with dreams, if you don't write it down right away or tell somebody right away, it will, you know, evaporate. Absolutely. So let's start with a little history about you. Okay, you are from Brooklyn. Am I wrong? Brooklyn. 
from yep, yep. Canarsie, Brooklyn, or from where are you from, darling? I should know. I this. am from. I think it's called Kensington now. Okay. Do you know Ocean Parkway? Do I know Ocean Parkway? Ocean Parkway. Oh, yes, Ocean Parkway and Coney Island Avenue. <laughs> I wow. I was on a little street between those two, right. and it was Webster Avenue, mm-hmm. um, which is a very tiny street, but it's near Newkirk Avenue. So my stop was Newkirk Avenue. You know, and that was down on East 16th Street, so the other side of uh, Coney Island Avenue. On the D train, on the D line. On the yes. D train. Darling, yeah. I was Avenue J, so I would take the M train from Avenue J to Newkirk Avenue and switch to the uh, the express train, the D train, which yes. took me to high yes, school. Yes, that's right, because it was an express right, stop. Right. It's funny yeah. because those of us from Brooklyn have a kind of a complex about being New Yorkers, right? We want to say, like, I was in Brooklyn, but I was on the train every day from like the age of 13 going to high school, you know? Right, yeah. right, So I'm right. a New York exactly. City person. I hate that I wasn't born like in Greenwich Village, but I wasn't, you know? No, same here. <laughs> and I, I used to feel very embarrassed about it, you know, because remember the whole bridge and tunnel Yes, thing? Uh, I do. And, you know, and I always felt like deep down, I am, you know, a bridge and tunnel person. <laughs> <laughs> and something would like give it away, either the accent or like, you know, that right. I never felt like I got anything right as far as like the sort of attitude or the clothes or anything like some there was this eight million tells you know the ones that i was aware of and the ones that i wasn't that like newkirk avenue yeah i know you new york uh-huh. <laughs> right. you know? well now tell me something did you go to school in brooklyn did you go to high school college what happened yeah i went to a public school in brooklyn all the way wow. through high school i went to midwood high school all of that <sighs> my parents were teachers in the school system and it was deep brooklyn it was not brooklyn heights it was not <laughs> like deep. some neighborhood that's like manhattan adjacent you yes. know you get to the gates of Brooklyn and then you have to travel a ways you in. Have to go into you know? the borough, darling. Into the into borough. Into the borough. Another 45 minutes into the borough. By the way, those where we grew up, right? Because we grew up in roughly the same area. Luckily, it's not Canarsie, okay? Because we're not going to even talk about Canarsie. We always, no, Brooklynites no. will refer to Canarsie as the farthest place. In the, like it's farther than Spain. Canarsie is like farther than it's Holland. Like exactly. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I had a friend in the building. Her name was Gail. And she and her family moved to Canarsie, and I never saw her again. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Oh my God. It was, that is the funniest thing I've ever heard you ever say. Roz, that is brilliant. It was oh. like she had moved to the Yukon territory. <laughs> oh know? my God. Oh, that is because funny. Also, <laughs> also, with my parents, my father never learned how to drive because he was too anxious. Mm-hmm. And my mother did all the driving. And this was so many centuries before GPS. And one of my mother's fears was getting lost. Oh. And so we had these well-worn tracks in Brooklyn where she knew how to drive. And then we would mm-hmm. never depart. So we we could not go to Canarsie. No. She would, did not know how to get no, to Canarsie. No, 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 no. She wouldn't. It was, I mean, some neighborhoods, you really have to go with somebody with a car. Now, I'm not much of a driver. I can drive like locally around here, but I didn't learn to drive till I left, left the city. Mm-hmm. And I basically hate it. I hate cars. I hate driving. You know, I, it's just like I've, I'm worried about the, the steering wheel coming off. I, you know, it's just Me ridiculous. Too. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I, and cars are just totally awful. I agree. Um, but, but I'm fine with being a passenger. So I have done a little bit of exploring 
in a car of neighborhoods that are very inaccessible by public transportation. Mm -hmm. Darling, yes, I want to talk to you about your parents for a minute, can I? Because a yes, lot of yes. your cartoons kind of center on people that I think are based probably on your parents. And often they are kind of labeled, this was my mother or this was my father, right? So tell me about yeah. them. Tell me about your childhood a little bit. Did you get along with them? Were you a close family? No, my, my parents were very involved with each other. I think that they saw each other as they really were soulmates. And I think I was a little bit um, like a third wheel or something. Um, I think they really had no idea. They had me very late. Are you an only child? I was an only, only child. child. They had me when they were 43, which wow. back then was very unusual. They had had a baby before me that died. Jeez. Um, and I think like my job was basically don't die. You know, Pretty. don't do not die. Easy. Well, not, you know, easy, easy. Yeah. whatever. Just don't die. Don't don't get into trouble. Don't give us any. And they both worked. I grew up in this, you know, small apartment. And I think they really did not know what to do with a child. I mean, I remember my parents at the beach, never saw them go in the water. They wore street clothes to the mm -hmm. beach. They were not in bathing suits. They were like in like the same clothes that they would <laughs> wear, like go to wall bounds or something. You wall know? bounds. Well, that was our local uh, uh, supermarket, wall bounds. Ours too. Mm. Well, wait a minute. Now tell There's me about two. your childhood. Was it lonely? Do you consider yourself a latchkey kind of a thing or what? It was lonely. I was not a latchkey kid because, again, this is part of, you know, do not die. Mm -hmm. um, my parents hired a series of what they called, or I should say my mother, she hired a series of what she called the maids. And oh. these were young girls who mostly didn't speak English. They were Norwegian. Mm. And uh, some of them were okay, were nice. And some of them were not nice at all. And, you know, not good, not good. So I was alone a lot. Mm -hmm. And I really do think, you know, for me, drawing and making stuff up, mm -hmm. uh, writing, drawing, making up worlds, making up words, creating in my head little things that I would draw out. This was a way of, you know, not going crazy, mm -hmm. sort of. Yes. Being entertained and... That's the truth for a lot of artists. You know, you find this kind of solace, this kind of comfort in creating your own little world. Um, yeah. Roz, like, do you ever get a sense of ecstasy from it? Do you ever get an amazing feeling of fulfillment from your work? Because it was um, an escape for you, right? And it was made it okay yeah. for you. Did it ever make it, like, wonderful for you? I feel so lucky. I cannot even, you know, tell you. Um, I mean, it just sounds so corny, but I do feel that things have happened that I really did not expect. You know, one was uh, getting picked up by The New Yorker when I was 23. Wow. I thought, like, maybe I would draw cartoons for The Village Voice. Mm -hmm. That was my sort of goal. Um, I submitted to The New Yorker only because my parents subscribed and I knew they used cartoons, mm -hmm. but I never thought that they would ever take anything. Um, and I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know who the editor was. I didn't know who the art editor was. I didn't know how to really do this. I called them up, you know, because th that was back in the day. You could actually call and talk to a person. And uh, th they said, if you are not on staff, you put all of your cartoons in an envelope and you drop them off and then you pick them up the next week. 
And so that's pretty much what I did. And they, uh, they bought one right away, which is weird and very unusual. Yeah. And then at the end of that year, they put me under contract. Unbelievable. So what exactly was it that made you think when you were this kid and looking for this place of your own, this world of your own, what made you go, wow, cartoons, you know, that's what I want to do. Did you go to school for cartoons? Is there a, like a PhD you can get in cartooning? Like seriously. There probably is now. Right. I mean, I went to RISD. I went to Rhode Island okay. School of Design. Um, but that was the only time in my life since I was maybe 13 that I didn't draw cartoons. Mm-hmm. I think when I was around 13, that was when I started to really get pulled in that direction. Into cartooning. But there, into okay. cartooning. But I, there were so many things about cartoons that I loved. I loved that it was drawing and writing, you know, and I didn't have to choose one over the other. I could do both. And also it seemed like a very uh, flexible medium. For some reason, I felt like you could like make up how you did it. Like you didn't have to draw like one of those newspaper strips with the big noses Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do like, you know, Jimbo and Bimbo and, you know, <laughs> they go to the butcher store and then he slips on a banana peel. Right. And like, okay. You know, and that just goes on, you know, into infinity. Um, I, and that was like, definitely not me. And the underground comics, which I guess I started seeing when I was about 13 or 14, I liked them a lot. I thought they were amazing. Like R. Crumb? I, Is that who you're talking R. about? Crumb okay. and that, mm-hmm. All of that kind of stuff. Zap comics. I thought Zap. they were hilarious. Mm-hmm. I thought they were wonderful. I didn't have words for it back then, but I think they were like extremely male. Right. And like the women were like sort of these side characters. They were just really basically there to be fucked. Can right. I say that? Yes, please. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially R. Crumb. I mean, boy, that Yeah, was. it was really basically like the women were there to either be skulls or... Mm-hmm. To be bitches, you know, or, bitches mm-hmm. or to be fucked or like to be yeah. touched or, you know, they were never three dimensional. No, yeah, three dimensional no. people. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was something about that. And also, like, in some way, I sort of knew like the hippie thing. Like, I this is going to sound horrible, but remember this thing where there were like these like cloth belts? And like they would hold up these like dirty bell bottoms. And it was like, there was something so repulsive to me about (laughs) that look. And I don't know. And like the women with like the headband. And I just, the whole thing was like, I didn't didn't like it. I got to tell you, 70s was not, yeah. yeah. Hippie look. Yeah. I didn't like it. No, it didn't, did not like it. It, There was something about it that like creeped me out that looked like dirty or something. I didn't know. I loved a disco look. Listen, I love a disco look. I love a roller skate with a side pony and a frizz. I love that. But the dirty thing, I never liked it. I'm not into that. Never liked it. Never liked it. Little, little creepy. Um, Yeah, the disco thing I liked. Also, I knew that wasn't really going to, you know, I mean, the side ponytail, I have enough troubles, you know, I don't need to add. <laughs> you don't need to. You know what I mean? <laughs> just to look like passively not insane. Right. Like, for me, is a lot, you know, like, look, I'm my T-shirt has, it has an ostrich on it. It's like, I don't need to add to my problems. Yes. 
And a side ponytail would, just would definitely add to right. The would just add to like, okay, this is like a very eccentric and horrible person. Um, so, so back to this idea, you were drawn into cartooning by yes. specific by stuff uh, by wit. Who Mad Magazine, Mad, Mad Magazine, Charles Adams, Gay wow. uh, and Wilson. There were a lot of New Yorker people actually whose work I really liked, and also I liked funny you know i liked making jokes and um not like jokes like those newspaper jokes but political uh, cartooning do you did were you turned on by that no no not really political cartooning i wasn't that interested in that i liked like the way mad magazine made fun of the culture mm-hmm. you know cuz these were guys that looked at those ads on tv and they just sort of saw right through them and they made fun of pop culture in a way that nobody else at the time was was doing. But I just loved wow. that stuff. Um, made me laugh and laugh. Those fake ads that they had in Mad oh, Magazine. Yeah. Mad was- Magazine was the most fabulous thing. I have to say, oh, one yeah. of my dear old friends is this person called Liz Kurtzman. And her dad was the fabulous Harvey Kurtzman, Her Harvey Kurtzman yeah. I mean, I never met Harvey, but I met his wife and I was very dear friends with Liz. She's still in my life a little bit. But so you got this breakout job. You sent some cartoons to The New Yorker and you got accepted. They bought one. What which one was it? Can you can you remember it? Yeah, of course. Um, It was probably the most personal of all of them. I would never have predicted it. Um, It was uh, something called Little Things. And it was the kind of thing that like when I'm sitting at my desk and I just am amusing myself and like making up these little shapes and like giving them very serious like names, like, you know, this little thing, this is a chent. Really? You know, I'll tell you about this. If you're curious about what a chant is, you know, I'll make something I'm up. I'm making you, you draw a chant at the end of this, darling. Get a piece of paper ready because you're going to draw a chant and hold it up to the camera. But go on. Yeah. 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 All right. And I still, I still love to, you know, just make up nonsense kind of stuff. Um, and so that's, that's the one they took. And in fact, when they ran it, people got really upset. Really? Because it was so different. There were people who canceled their subscription <gasps> to The New Yorker because they hated it so much. And Lee Lorenz, who is the cartoon editor, told me years later that one of the older cartoonists uh, asked Lee whether he owed my family money. Wow! Wow! That is yeah. beautiful. Roz, what a story. Yeah, some of those old guys really didn't like me. But then the good thing is that in years to come, a few of them told me that when my fir- stuff first started running, they really did not like my stuff, like bordering on hating it. And then it was like they started to kind of get it, and then they started to love it. So they had to like do a little adjusting. The old you know, it was story, darling. The old story, right? They hate you, yeah, and then nice they story. tolerate you, and then they love you. Yeah. Exactly. Then they love you. They get worn down. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. They catch up. Yeah. They catch up. They catch up. You know, I've been asked, like, well, was it weird being, you know, the only woman on staff at The New Yorker? And it was like, that was only one of, like, a constellation of problems, mm-hmm. you know? It was like that. It was that I was 10 years younger than right. everybody else. And probably most of all, I loved these older guys stuff, but I didn't want to do that. I had my own ideas of what I wanted to do. And it wasn't 
drawing in their style, mm -hmm. an imitation of that style, and an imitation of their gag. I had my own sense of humor, yes. you know, and I do. Right. And that's what I wanted to do. That's the reason why I became a cartoonist, not to like learn how to draw, you know, somebody else's type of cartoon, mm -hmm. but to do my own thing, right. you know? And it's very, very specific and it keeps going back to the same thing. And I know you don't think so because I know you probably think every damn cartoon you make is a breakthrough because that's what I think. And then I go back and I'm like, yeah. is it a pink dress again? Is yeah. it a joke about your mother again? You know what I mean? Yes. And you feel like you're breaking through, but in fact, you're doing like the same. It really is like this world of Roz Chast. You're in your own world, whether you want to be or not. I mean, yeah. and mostly not for me, but that's sort of where you know, where we are. And so you were accepted by the New Yorker, right? And then things started to pick up. Did you find yeah. yourself like overwhelmed with stuff? I do sometimes still every once in a while, like, you know, you feel like you're overcommitted and like, why did I say yes to this? Mm -hmm. uh, but mostly, mostly I just feel so lucky that I got to make a living doing pretty much the only thing I know how to do. I mean, I can't do other things. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring Chris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother 
or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Did you ever have a job as a waitress or a... I don't know, ballet dancer? I don't know. Did you ever do anything else? (laughs) (laughs) No, I've never, I have never done um, another job. Wow. That is so noble. It's incredible. I thought like you were going to say, that's just, you are so spoiled. (laughs) No, I think it's amazing that you kind of followed the star, darling. You followed the star. Now tell me, because I, I think the world knows you as this really successful character, like this really successful artist. Was there a setback in your career that taught you a lesson? Uh, I think that one of the worst things that ever happened to me as far as confidence went was going to RISD, was going to art school. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was bad. Um, I mean, when I was there, this was the seventies and cartooning was not a thing. And, um, I think for a lot of reasons, it was like, you know, minimalism was very big, like Donald Judd or somebody, um, you would do something like have like a wooden board and lean it up against the wall and then write like 10 pages about it. Mm. Um, or I remember things where like somebody would set up two like video monitors and there'd be static or installation art or conceptual art. And, (sighs) Uh, you know, traditional painting was bad enough, but cartooning was not only, you know, some sort of retrograde reactionary thing of, you know, using actual imagery, um, but, you know, it was like pathetic because you were like wanting to make people laugh. I mean, what could be more like tacky and bad? And I just felt like at RISD, this was just not seen as something. It was just embarrassing. You were you were socially kind of unacceptable if you were a cartoonist. It was unacceptable, and and it was weird. I stopped drawing cartoons, and I became a painting major, and I got good grades and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I always felt like, oh, I can't wait to stop doing this. And by my last year, I went back to drawing cartoons, but secretly because the reactions that the cartoons got were everything from disinterest to actual like negativity. I had a teacher tell me, you know, Roz, I don't think you'll ever be happy. And it was like, well, honey, tell me something I don't know. (laughs) Wow. Um, (laughs) I mean, that goes back to childhood and like, what can I do about that? You're not telling me something I don't know already. And other just weird comments, um, you know, who are you really as bored as all that? You know, just awful, awful stuff. Uh, And then the worst of all, at RISD, there was actually this cartoon magazine 
that was started by these boys. Really? And it was called Fred. Fred. What F-R- a good name. I love the name. Oh, yeah. And it was these boys. And they thought they were like really good cartoonists and stuff. And so I submitted. And they rejected me. Right. And I cried and cried. I mean, like, I cried like a little girl. Because <laughs> <laughs> my heart was broken. It was broken in a million pieces. Wow. I think the thing that I learned from this was that even if nobody likes my stuff, I'm going to do this. I'm going to keep drawing. And I don't wow. really care, you know, what you think. I don't care because... I don't know what else to do with my life. I, I can't not do this. Beautiful. You know? Yeah. That is such a great thing for our listeners to hear. That's what I was kind of hoping I would hear from you, you know? I remember I went to Parsons and it was very confusing. Like my first year at Parsons, I also felt like completely like an outsider. And I adapted by the second year. I remember the ones who didn't adapt and who kept failing, you know? And I always used to look at their work and think, that's better than anything of these stars in the class. You know what I mean? It's so fucked up and so wrong and so, like, bad that it's good, you know? There was something incredibly, like, I don't know what, inspiring about the shitty things that they were doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well... You know, art school is a very weird thing, don't you think? Yes, I do. I do. I do. I do. And one of my best friends in school, like we would take figure drawing and the teacher would come up and say to him like, oh, you know, you're not looking. He'd say, excuse me, I'm not looking. You're not looking. And he failed everything, but he was so fabulous, this guy, you know, and I was so inspired. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And he became a huge success. He made more money than everybody else in the class. No, I mean, he's a huge success, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. I yeah, I mean none of these guys in this Fred magazine ever became ever and I know a lot of people. <laughs> oh. None of them ever became cartoonists. Right. You know, well, I don't hello. know any of them. And like if you think that that doesn't make me happy. Uh, it, and you don't know me darling, very well. It's the little things. It's the little things. Wow. All right, wait a minute. Now, could I bring you back for a minute? Because you live in your own little world. It's the Roz Chast world that we all love to look inside of sometimes, right? Yeah. Do you like the real world? Do you like living in the actual world? I only know what it is from my point of view. I assume we all live in our own little worlds, right? I do. I mean, is there but some- you know what? Like, you are not someone who takes kindly to, you know, a restaurant a new restaurant where, you know, everything is built in and there's loud music and there that's the real world. And there are people wearing designer clothes and crazy hairdos and designer bags and men in shirts. And you know what I mean, right? It's like the world, I mean, the world. <laughs> it's the world. Tell me what you think about the world. <laughs> I think it's the world. It's scary. It's, it's scary. scary. It's so fucking scary. Raw. <laughs> scary and it's it's uh, oh my god i am a, you have to stop making me laugh because i'm not supposed to laugh like this but it's really scary it but is. you know i love new york so much so i don't know i mean the new york is the world no for sure but like you see what i'm talking about for every one of our favorite restaurants that we used to go to or our favorite movie theaters or our favorite now you can't find those there are no more diners there are no more diners 
Upper West Side okay. has diners. And I love that. I love the Upper West Side because I see people who are older than me, which is kind of nice, well, yes. you know, and they're still like curmudgeonedly walking along, mm-hmm. thinking their own like <laughs> curmudgeon thoughts right. and like doing their errands. And I think, you know, that's all right. I could, I could live with that, you know, being like 80, if I am 80 something years old and walking around thinking like, that fucking dry cleaner, like <sighs> right. that. <laughs> By the way, we're going to be eighty tomorrow, Roz. You realize that, right? Dude, you do. I do. Um, so I want to get a little personal now. I hope you don't mind. No, no. Do you have more than one kid? Do you have two kids? I have two, kids. have two kids. I have a boy who is thirty-six, and he has two kids. So I am a grandma, a grandmother. Wow. I know. Can we talk about this for a minute? Because I think this is a re- is really worth talking about with you. Okay. You've been a mother for many, many years. What yes. was that like being a mother and an artist? It's hard. It's hard because, especially when my kids were little, I felt like I was doing a really half-assed job at both of those mm-hmm. things. Um, but... I'm so driven to do this. Mm -hmm. It never occurred to me to stop drawing, you know? I mean, that just was not really an option. So yeah, I just kind of kept doing it. Even if I didn't have the energy or the time to, you know, do as good a job as I wanted to do, it was just like, let's just keep going and it will get better. And it did. Did you ever feel like you compromised your work? Sometimes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it was necessary. You know, you, you're working on something and you have a deadline mm-hmm. and then something happens and you have to deal with your kids. And, you know, suddenly like, you know, you're, you had budgeted like, you know, eight hours for this job and now you've got to do it in four. Right. right. And you have these choices. You call them up and you say, I can't do the job. Right. Or you say, okay, I will just sit down and do it. And I look back and I, sometimes I see things and I think, if I had had more time or like more brain cells or something, you know, I could have done a better job, but I, I didn't. And, you know, I hate myself for it, but wow. those were the choices. Right. And on the other side of it, do you look back with any kind of regret? Of having children? No, no. of having children and living the life you did. Where do you live, by the way? You don't live in New York anymore. Where did they grow up? Suburban Connecticut. I'm about an hour and 15 minutes north of the city. And, right. uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it's not my natural habitat. Mm-hmm. I mean, for one thing you have to drive. I luckily we live in town cause when we moved up here, I didn't know how to drive. And I thought there is no, no way in hell am I moving to a place where I can't walk to the library or, wow. you know, walk to get a quart of milk or something like that. I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't care about yards. I don't care about land. I don't mm-hmm. care about any of that, but we moved here cause you know, it's boring to say, but the schools are good. So, yeah. um, and we could afford it. So I just thought of this thing. Did you read that book, the biography about Mary Rogers called Shy by Jesse? No, I haven't. I want to though. Um, well, you know, speaking of women who really tried to work, she tried to be this songwriter, you know, and there's a story in the book about how one of her kids passed on. And it, it's not because of her negligence, but anybody who has a kid who dies and who is an artist 
is going to say that it's probably because I was a negligent mother and that's why the kid died. But that is not the truth. God knows what the truth is, but I think it's the thing you tell yourself, right? Yeah. As yeah. an artist, you you blame everything that didn't go right in your life with your kids on on your work. And I think you probably do the converse as well, right? Yeah. 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 It's hard to do. It's not the easiest thing to do both. Would you recommend it to somebody? Um, I think, yeah. If you really want to have kids and you want to have a creative life, yeah. I would say if you can, you know, it's best to marry somebody who is going to help you. Mm -hmm. Because my husband's a writer and he's home a lot. And, you know, he didn't have to go to some super high powered, you know, lawyer job. And that, I think, would have completely capsized our little ship. You know, having a person who could help in an emergency Mm -hmm. uh, was more than helpful. It was invaluable, you know, and and necessary. So if you're going to try to do this, like have children and you're a woman and you want to have a career and you're, or you're a creative person and you want to have children, marry somebody who's going to help you some. That's a good piece of advice. You know, because otherwise it's, it's hard enough with both kids, but my kids are so, uh, they are both so great and so important to me. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024. And we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother or, in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity. 
for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. I'm going to bring up this word, which is future, right? The future, right? As an artist, do you ever sit down and go like, I don't know what the fuck to say about tomorrow? Are you ever stumped by the future by like thinking about what to do next or what is the next thing to come out of your mouth? Oh, I mean, yes, it's but it's again, it's kind of like you know, walking, like when you're walking and then you concentrate too much on your walking or your breathing or something like that. And then you just feel like, what is walking? Right. What is walking? <laughs> and then suddenly you're walking like, oh, I don't even remember how to walk, you know. But a, a lot of, I mean, luckily, you know, knock on a million pieces of wood. Um, I don't look super far ahead because it's just too fucking scary, mm-hmm. really. Um, with everything, it's just too scary, but I think, okay, you know, I have these projects coming up and, you know, I'm going to do a book tour for the dreams mm-hmm. book. And, you know, I th- I look a little bit ahead, but not like way, way, way ahead. Cause there's just so many variables. Yes. You really, you know, I mean, a- an asteroid could come and like right. crash. We'd what, be dead. Well, know? I mean, because I, th- my next question was going to be darling, like, what if you were someone's mother today who wasn't an adult looking at the future? Do you feel like as a mother, you made your kids feel safe about the future? I I hope so. I feel like there's a lot that I I couldn't lie to them about, mm-hmm. you know, like, do I have an extremely strong, like religious, you know, set oh, of do beliefs? you believe like, in God? Do you believe in God? I, I am an agnostic. You know, I do believe that there's stuff that we don't know, mm-hmm. you know, and that maybe when we're dead, we'll know more or maybe not. I mean, I, it's funny because Patty, I think, is absolutely an atheist. Patty Marks, who really- is a mutual friend of ours who writes for The New Yorker, for instance. She's also hilariously funny. And you oh, she's- you women have a crazy ukulele thing going on where you play the ukulele and do this amazing oh. act, which is one of the great things. But, but what were you yeah. going to say about Patty? I think she- She's a staunch atheist. I mean, the conversations that I've had with her, you know, she really thinks that like death is completely the end Mm -hmm. and that you're really, you know, kidding yourself if you, but I don't feel that way. You know, I'm really, it's a question mark Mm -hmm. to me. And that's partly because of dreams, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. dreaming, which I think is just such an interesting state of consciousness, um, which is sort of one of the things, you know, this that motivates that your work, I think, throughout yeah. from the beginning, really. I mean, I know you just yeah. did a book about it, but I feel like your your work is really very, very 
surreal or something. It's about dreams, you know? It's about dreams. And it's about like that stuff. Like, I don't know, you know, people say like, and I'm sure you get this too. Like, where do you get your ideas? I hate that question, but it's a good question. I think, you know, it's, yeah, it's a very basic question, but like, I never know how to answer it. I have no idea how to even talk about Mm -hmm. certain things like this in actual words. Uh, it's just like more of a feeling, you know, when I look at your work, I think of it as a form of poetry, you know, your work, your work, because it's so hard to kind of categorize it. And what I love the most about it is that I do see a kind of silver lining in it, you know, no matter how depressing and sad it is and how low the expectations of the characters are in the work, there's always this kind of like, beautiful end note and always hilarious, always hilarious. Well, thanks. Thanks. I mean, <laughs> I, I think that I did try to tell or to communicate in some ways to my kids that like, yeah, it's going to be pretty much of a shit show, but like somehow it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Or you can't always make it okay, but we're going to try as much as we can to make it okay. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. That's a good thought. Yeah. Okay, tell me about, are you obsessed with obits the way I am? Because I wake up every oh, single yeah. morning and I read the obits. The first thing I do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you talk about your own obit? Like when you go, what do you want the headline to be? And what do you want the article to be about? She drew funny pictures. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. Told funny stories. Yeah. That's nice. I have to say, I didn't expect you to be so kind of like hell bent or obsessed with something about funny stuff. You know, I didn't think it was that, uh, (laughs) that you were really that kind of tied to making people laugh, even though I can't even look at you without laughing. I mean, like you just make me laugh when you open your mouth or when I usually, when I read one of your cartoons, but. You're just picturing me with a side ponytail. (laughs) Exactly. 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 Have you ever seen like grown up women with like pigtails? I don't know know what that's about. Uh, What is that? It is. I I have sent, looked up sometimes like older women with pigtails and the pictures just make me laugh and laugh. Why would you look that up? By the way, I love that you use the phrase look up as opposed to Google. Could please like never use the word Google again and only say look up because you look look things up. I I do know what you mean by look up, darling. Yes, yes, it is Googling, but it's looking up (laughs) because it's like, you know, if, if you saw the list of things that I, you know, it, it sometimes it does make me laugh, but like look up like older women with pigtails. It will crack you up. It will just yeah. I can't wait. I'm still obsessed with what a chent is. Do you have a piece of paper there and a pencil? Seriously, draw yes. a chent for me, okay? okay. Literally draw okay. a chent. Thank you so much. Okay. Because I have to see okay. what that is. But well, I can't remember whether this is a chent or a hackeb, but Ooh. I will Well, whatever it is, draw it quickly. I don't want to I don't want to okay. tax you too much. Okay. Pretend I'm buying one of your books and you're Signing it, dear Isaac, I love you. Here is a chant or a hackab. What is that? Hold it up. It's a little. Oh, look at that. It's like almost an ostrich with a corkscrew tail. No, what is that? It's like a potato with a flag. It's a, a chant. Well, darling. This is a chant. Is... And you can get a chant. When you buy the chants, you can get ones with a little flag or you can get ones without the flag. The ones with the flag are a little more expensive, but they're better. Well, obviously. 
obviously, obviously. obviously. Yeah. I'm so excited. I will sleep so well tonight knowing what you just showed me. Okay. Good, Darling. Good. This was in your dreams. That is, in, that is going to be in my dreams. Seriously. Yes. So by the way, if you want to see a picture of the chant that she just drew, look at our Instagram. So tell me what you want to promote on this podcast. Um, I have a book coming out, a new book coming out. It's called I Must Be Dreaming. It comes out October 24th. And it is uh, about dreams and dreaming. And it has um, a lot of illustrated dreams um, that are sort of Mm. like turned into cartoons in a way. And it's about my relationship with dreams in my life. And also it has some very interesting theories about dreams and what they are. And uh, I have to say the jury is still out. Nobody really knows for sure why we dream. Well, I have to tell you, I have the book. You sent me an advanced copy of the book with the fantastic eye mask, etc. Really smart. Yes. I love an eye mask, darling. But, you know, when I saw that book, I thought, like, do you call Roz Chast an illustrator or do you call her a cartoonist? What do you call yourself? Cartoonist. Okay. Yeah. Good answer. You are the best. Thank you so much. I love you. I mean it. I Well, me too. Vice versa. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, love you. Love you. Well, it happened again. You know, like I looked at Roz Chass and I just lost my shit and I just couldn't stop laughing for, you know, whatever it was, the full hour that we were talking She literally makes me laugh more than most people I know. And I'm not exactly sure what it's about still. There's still this big mystery. But I do think we got a glimpse into some of it, you know? And what I have to say is that I admire so much women who are artists and who have children, you know? And I would say that Like, I didn't expect us to be talking about that, but because I know her, I couldn't help asking her that question. And I couldn't help sort of relating motherhood to being an artist and being a poet in her case. And also to think that one of our greatest national treasures, as in Roz Chast, and the work that she produced was a product of her insisting that it was the only thing she could do. She didn't plan, she didn't think, she didn't really even study to be Roz Chast. She just was, and that's all that she could be in her life. And I think that is such an incredible lesson for us all. Darlings, if you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor and tell someone, tell a friend, tell your mother, tell your cousin, tell everyone you know. Okay, and be sure to rate the show. I love rating stuff. Go on and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts so more people can hear about it. It makes such a gigantic difference and like it takes a second. So go on and do it. And if you want more fun content, videos and posts of all kinds, follow the show on Instagram and TikTok at Hello Isaac Podcast. And by the way, check me out on Instagram and TikTok at I am Isaac Mizrahi. This is Isaac Mizrahi. Thank you. I love you. And I never thought I'd say this, but goodbye, Isaac. Hello, Isaac is produced by Imagine Audio, Awfully Nice, and I am Entertainment for iHeartMedia. 
The series is hosted by me, Isaac Mizrahi. Hello, Isaac is produced by Robin Gelfenbein. The senior producers are Jesse Burton and John Asante. It is executive produced by Ron Howard, Brian Grazer, Kara Welker, and Nathan Clokey at Imagine Audio. Production management from Katie Hodges. Sound design and mixing by Cedric Wilson. Original music composed by Ben Walzer. A special thanks to Neil Phelps and Sarah Katanak at IM Entertainment. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.